Good Monday, everybody. Welcome to the Rocky Top Rewind podcast brought to you by our friends at Blue Water Climate Control. Be sure and check them out at bluewaterclimatecontrol.com or online at bluehto underscore climate. Today, talking about Tennessee's 2004 win over Florida. That's the Wilhoit kick uh, from uh, goat to hero. And James Wilhoit will join us a little bit later on the podcast to relive that kick, relive that night, relive some voicemails, some apologetic voicemails after angry voicemails, uh, some fun stories from James Wilhoit coming up. But we talk about this game um, and, and what a, an interesting, you know, similar, some, some not similar, but some storylines to this game that everybody talked about. But upon rewatching this game, Tennessee got a lot of help on this night to win. And I don't want to take anything away from what Tennessee and Randy Sanders accomplished with uh, two freshman quarterbacks. Uh, but Florida dropped a couple of touchdowns. Uh, they were great on third down. They missed a critical field goal. And then obviously uh, the penalty at the end, uh, which I, I thought the commentators completely missed the point of the penalty, which was the play clock or the game clock, not the yards. Todd Blackledge kept talking about how many 15 yards. yards. 15, 15 yards. yards. And, and that, the, the point was it was 25 seconds that Tennessee saved, uh, which gave them a chance to go make a play. But uh, Tennessee did see a couple of freshman quarterback uh, come alive. Obviously, Schaefer's feet did some things. And to me, guys, this is where Eric Ainge earned the starting job at Tennessee, prompting Philip Fulmer some nine months later to compare him to Peyton Manning at SEC Media Days. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I thought that, you know, that, that Ainge really coming into his own. Now, Schaefer still had some moments. There was a moment at South Carolina where he threw a deep ball later in the year and and stuff, but you know, when you started going and looking at the wins on the road at Ole Miss and 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 some of the and the win on the road at Georgia later in the year, to me, all of that was spurred on by how much confidence EA got on this night. Man, if you would have if you would have bet me on this night in 2004 that neither one of the, of, the, of those quarterbacks, Ainge or, or Leak, would have you know any kind of an NFL career, I would have lost a lot of money, especially with Ainge. I mean, as a freshman to come in and look like he did. That night, I mean, um, I mean, he, he it looked like the, the, the future was wide open for him. Well, I mean, he's, uh, he's over there throwing, you know, seeds across his body, rolling left, you know, uh, back play. I will say this, and, and I've, I, I remember this game because I was, I mean, I was a, uh, what was that, sophomore in high school, I guess, at this time. There's the famous 34th Street, uh, mural you know and 34th street wall mural that they'll show a lot of times for these florida games and stuff and after this game over like a whole block in huge brick letters was thanks comma dallas you know for 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 losing the game and yet when you watch it it wasn't just obviously that penalty i mean there's florida screwed up in a lot of plays uh but you know rob makes a great point because not only do you see Ainge and his potential, but Leak never looked more uh, like mo- – he ne- was never that mobile, it seemed like, the next – the other two years of his career. And yet Tennessee was having a hard time. You know, he was back there dancing around, passing it, and, and it was – it was a, this was a fun game to kind of rewatch. I will say every time Schaefer was out there, I was kind of like, other than the one 22-yard run, it was like, why are they playing him over Ainge? It just – it didn't make a ton of sense even in the moment. Don't you think that so much of that goes back to the fact that both these quarterbacks had a very little college experience at that point, and they were just playing? You know, I, I think a lot of times in, in, in Eric, I mean, you you watch Eric in this game, and then you watch Eric as a senior, and they were two different dudes. Because I mean, I think you know, so much of what EA did as a senior was more dink and dunk 
you know, with, with Cutcliffe, whereas he's, as Jesse said, you know, rolling right, throwing back against his body. I mean, just, I, just, and, and again, throwing, throwing darts. So, I mean, I, it's almost to me like both Chris Leak and Eric Ainge were just playing and not thinking about mechanics, not thinking about, you know, old scars. Cause they didn't have any at that point. They were just out there just playing like they were in high school and let's face it, they played for good teams in high school, so they were used to making plays and doing it however they wanted to get it done. Well, Lee did have a bunch of experience. I mean, he had played a b- bunch of a freshman, but to your point, you gave the backstory, you know, last week on the pod. I, what sort of added motivation did he have with, you know, his recruitment with Tennessee, first game in Neyland Stadium, you know, brother uh, being formally you know, on the team and whatnot. I, you know, I, certainly that I think there was probably some added motivation there for, for his performance. Yeah, and he had a new offensive coordinator. He was learning a bit of a new system with Fedora there. So he did have previous experience, but it was a new system. I, you know, I, I go back and look at this 4 season in general, but starting with this game here, I mean, Tennessee the previous week had beaten a hapless UNLV team on a on a Sunday night game. Love some, those uniforms, though, Hubbard. With some yeah, cool some, jerseys. Yeah, they did have some cool uh, jerseys for sure. That was CJ Faden, baby. That was the highlight of that game. But, I mean, I, I think Randy Sanders probably never got the credit because, a, you know, the next year, you know, here's Tennessee going by the wayside in, in 05, and, and Sanders eventually steps down that year. But but what he did in 04 with those two quarterbacks to get to Atlanta and, and win the SEC East, beating, a, you know, Florida and Knoxville and then beating Georgia. I mean, Randy Sanders did a hell of a job with those with those two quarterbacks, and obviously it ended up ultimately being Ainge that year but really did a nice job managing the game for those guys. I mean, you know, there was – it looked like a lot of chaos, but there was more control to the chaos than he probably ever got credit for. And and, and chaos, when you factor in Schaefer, Ainge, and then the back end of 04, which is where Rick Clawson entered the fray, led him to a win in the Cotton Bowl. Um, so, I mean, like, you're right. I mean, it, it was musical quarterbacks at times in that room. And, uh, you know – some of that dissension, you know, mustered itself a, a year later with uh, kind of the divide on the football team. But in 04, they handled all the quarterback switcheroo really, really good. Yeah, and I just thought – I thought Sanders did a good job calling a game for those guys. You know, I mean, he, he – you know, he, he they, was – They were all different. Right, and he was dialed into what Florida was doing. I mean, when he needed a pass play, he found a post corner that was open or, or he found something in, in, you know, cover two across the middle. I mean – he seemed to have a really good feel for what Florida was doing defensively. He did the same thing for Georgia a few weeks later to win those two games with, with a freshman quarterback and, and really a young football team. is pretty, pretty, uh, you know, pretty amazing. Pretty. He probably doesn't get the credit I should say for, for the job that he did there. Well, and, and, and you could tell watching this game too, that he and he and Phillip were dialed in in terms of their feelings again for, for this game. Uh, who, which one of these guys was going to give them the best chance to win. They're rotating them early on. Each guys are getting to play a little bit. Schaefer has that long run, but it was a total freelance play. And, you know, he was – it was like he wasn't looking to pass at all, whether, you know, Swain or whoever was cutting across the middle. He wasn't even looking for him. Literally two plays later, it's the exact same play, but he gets sacked because he's, he's still waiting for that perfect lane to run. And after that, they decided, hey – Pretty much, let's hand the ball. To, let's give the ball to Ainge and see if he can take us home. And that's pretty much what happened. Yeah, and I'd also forgotten, um, you know, until rewatching. I mean, Tennessee's offensive line 
I mean, great night. I mean, they, they didn't pop any, you know, huge runs, but Riggs and Houston and even and Corey Larkins. I mean, all those guys, I mean, they were, they were getting – I thought they controlled the line of scrimmage, which took a lot of pressure off whoever was under center. Well, and, and you know, they had the one drive in the first half where they never threw it. Yeah. You know, they, they, they ran the game. You know, and, and upon rewatching too, I mean, Aaron Sears is really good. <laughs> you know? I mean, that was a really, that's a really good young football player. And, and, you know, Munoz still, his knees were not completely um, problematic at that point. So he was an effective football player. And, uh, you know, but Tennessee had its struggles on defense. They couldn't get off the field on, on third down when they had multiple opportunities to do that. Um, and then, you know, you got the amazing ending of this game where uh, incredibly, you know, Will Hoyt misses the extra point. And then Tennessee's ability to manage with a freshman, manage the clock the way they did, you know, spiking the ball. I mean, they had no negative plays on the last 45 seconds they had the football. They had the one incompletion. And after that, everything was really managed almost like a veteran team. It was pretty, pretty surprising that they weren't as unglued in those last 45 seconds, given what had just happened to them on special teams and then the youth that they were playing on offense. Yeah, and I go back to the series before. I mean, fourth and six. I mean, to, to Tony Brown. I mean, over over the. I mean, huge, huge play. I mean, that that's one that kind of slipped my memory. To even, I mean, if they don't make that happen, I mean, we're not even talking about the Dallas Baker issue. And and big and you know, I love me some Jay Swain, but was that did he make the biggest play of his career as as a freshman? Did he also get in the end zone? It's hard to tell if he yeah, was forced exactly. <laughs> I mean, I. I thought we were going to see another Jabari Davis flips over the pylon to get it. Also, side note, what happened? Like, Jabari Davis had that career game in one of the games we did here. I had to look up his stats after the game. I know Cedric Houston was the better back, and Riggs was like a hot shot recruit. But Davis had like a Benjamin Button career where he had like 150 carries as a freshman <laughs> sophomore, and suddenly his career's going backwards. He only touched the ball 18 times his entire senior season. He had more carries than that in one, the one game we covered, you know, two the weeks ago. Florida game. Yeah. yeah. Touchdowns 0-1 Florida. And, and I made the comment what about – What happened to him? What, what was the deal? Well, to, I mean, to extend it, I mean, I made the comment about being stunned, you know, after this night that neither Leak or Ainge, you know, had any kind of an NFL career. Think about the three backs Tennessee had uh, with Riggs, Davis, and, and Cedric Houston. I mean, those, those were huge recruits. I mean, enormous recruits. And, you know, I mean, they all had their moments in college, but to think that none of those guys had any kind of a sniff as an NFL player, you know, was beyond maybe a little ripple. I mean, those guys were enormous recruits, all three of them. On the oh, at the same time. yeah. I mean, it was a huge win to, to get Jabari Davis. Uh, and then, I mean, Tennessee stalked Cedric Houston the day before the dead period started, before signing day, just camped out at his house and wouldn't let Danny Nutt and – uh, Houston, the Arkansas staff in on that Saturday. They just, I mean, they stayed there all, all day long uh, to, to make that happen. Here's the other guy that, uh, and, and, you know, he's no longer with us, but tough as nails, fun guy to cover, uh, really good football player was Jesse Mahalona. Yeah. And, and, and he, you know, he had a big sack in this game, but he caused some problems and, and, and made leak move and was pretty good at times in the, in the run game too. Um, just a really good ju- junior college player who um, was just a fun guy to cover. Loved playing football. Tough, yeah. He was he was just tough, hard nosed dude. 
Five stars. One of that was one of those guys on on that when that recruiting thing I did just a week ago that popped out for one of the better two week stretches. Now that was one of the signing day splashes that they had uh, just before this season. But yeah, he definitely pops in this game. I, I tell. I mean, I, I mean, I just needed a reminder, but this game definitely served as one. Kevin Burnett, good football player. Yeah, you know, and and obviously yeah. it, showed, it showed up in the NFL. He had a, he had a nice career in the NFL. I mean, th- th- Tennessee just had some struggles on the back end because um, they were moving Jason Allen around to try to make something work. They had a hard time covering people on third down, and they couldn't get to the quarterback off the edge, with the exception of bringing some blitzes. You know, but th- the inside of that defense was pretty solid. Yeah, they were having a tough time covering small, and, and obviously Chad Jackson has the big touchdown. Another funny thing, now that we've strung some of these rewatches around some of the same years together, again, you pick. I've, I've mentioned the funny Jabari Davis thing. Another thing that does seem kind of funny to me, I know Tinsley made plenty of plays for the balls. I swear he's fumbled in every game we've done a rewatch on. You know, he's, had some, he's had some big fumble that's like been like a big turnover when Tennessee's trying. It's just, it's just another funny uh you know a side of these that Tennessee's kind of been able to overcome whatever uh you know self-inflicted wounds yeah and Tinsley was a guy in college who just couldn't find a home I mean he wasn't big enough to be a tailback um you know and, and and couldn't play receiver I mean he just had a hard time particularly at that point Tennessee's still playing with a fullback they're not spreading it out running all the RPO stuff that you see in the college game now uh, you know, he was a great athlete who just had a hard time finding, I think, a position in Tennessee's offense. I, I know what he would have played for this current head coach, defensive back. Yeah, he might have. You're probably right. He probably would have played defensive back because he played defensive back down in Marietta as well as playing running back. So it, it, let me ask this, thin stripe or wide stripe on the helmet? What are you thinking? That's a, this is the thin stripe here. You like the thin stripes or the wide stripes? Thin. Austin's in on the thin. Rob can Rob can care less. He has that I'm look not, of I'm I can care less. Not a uniform guy. I didn't even notice. You didn't Rob, even notice? That that's disgusting. You didn't, didn't notice. notice? Really? You didn't pay any attention to that? Uh, I, I thought the I didn't, I didn't like the pants in this game. No, the wide stripe pants. Didn't like the pants. I, I did notice that. I got you. I, got I did you. like Vern. I mean, I know we 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 kind of uh, poo pooed on on Blackledge and Byrne for the way they handled the Dallas Baker stuff because they they kind of missed the point. But they were it was fun to to listen to those guys again because uh, those guys did have really good chemistry. Together. Coherent Byrne, yes. <laughs> Coherent Byrne. I gotta say, I, I, I like hey, Blackledge better. Drunk than... Byrne's good too. It doesn't really matter which Byrne you get. It's just Byrne. I like Blackledge uh, better than Danielson. That's what that's what this the rewatch has, has taught me. Oh, uh, Danielson's unbearable. <laughs> All right, as we as we wrap it up here to get ready for J- and talk to James Wilhoyt here here in a couple of minutes on, on this thing, you know, for for Tennessee, I mean, this was a, a, a bit of a seismic shift because you know here, here's Tennessee, they had won, and it's interesting. The intro acted like Tennessee had never beaten Florida. When you, if you watch the actual intro to the game, um, it was about could Tennessee even sort of stay on the field with Florida a little bit? But Tennessee wins in 0-1. They went in 03. They went in 04. So a team that had been dominated by Florida in the 90s, now in the post-Spurrier era, is struggling against Tennessee. It looked like at that point with a young quarterback, Tennessee was getting ready to take off against the East. It was going to be Tennessee and Georgia, and Florida was kind of shuffling down. As it turns out, it didn't work that way for, for Tennessee. Uh, but that was, a, that was a big win 
you know, for Tennessee in 04. And again, I think one of Fulmer's better coaching jobs to get that team to Atlanta that season. Maybe that's not a great Florida team, but to, to capitalize on that miracle win with the kick um, and, and then to go forward with there was, was I, think, I think, one of Phillips' better coaching jobs. Well, yeah. again, you, you not only win this game, but then you go to Athens. Who's a top five a na- team? And put a nail in David Green and David Pollock. Yeah. That, to me, that was as, you know, all to, the Florida game propelled Tennessee the rest of the year. I think Ainge played more confident as a freshman. You know, he, Jesse talked about Benjamin Button for Jabari Davis, but from a confidence standpoint, I thought Ainge played more confident as a freshman and loose and just went out and played than he did at any point in his career. And he had a good senior year, I'm, but, you know, he kind of had that down lull in between. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and it's a given. You beat Florida and, and Georgia, you're going to Atlanta. Oh, wait, I'm sorry, Butch. I forgot. And before we, before we get done, I got to tell my story. Um, after the Will Hoyt kick, I rode the press elevator down. Jeremy Foley was in the elevator and just steam coming out of his ears with the way the game ended. It was a, it was a classic. I wish we had iPhones in. I would have taken a picture. Yeah, because the following year, Urban Meyer comes in. Britton Colquitt fakes the punt in the swamp, and then Florida goes on the run. Yeah, it, it, cha- it changed everything at that point. But you certainly felt like that night, leaving Neyland Stadium, that Tennessee had exercised any demons against the Florida Gators because they had won a game against Florida the way Florida had beaten Tennessee. Yeah. You know, the, you know when you go back to the, the, the 2000 game um, and everything like that. So uh, it, it was one of those deals where uh, – that night, Tennessee fans felt really good about themselves, and James Will Hoyt went from from goat to hero uh, in a fashion that I've never seen anybody uh, do before then or since then. To, to be honest with you, I mean to 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 have that happen, to miss an extra point, and then to drill what he drilled at the end um, is is obviously a, a storybook ending. His mom and dad, he talks about this in our interview we, we got coming up with him. Um, you know, they were down in the tunnel waiting on him to kind of comfort him and all of a sudden it becomes a, a celebration for that family just a just a crazy night for Tennessee that's for sure but uh, James Wilhoyt's coming up next as uh, you listen to the Rocky Top Rewind brought to you by our good friends at Blue Water Climate Control in East Tennessee you need a reliable heating and air system designed for your home and our climate you need a team that is trained and held to the highest of standards you need solutions not sales pitches and that's what Blue Water Climate Control does for you veteran-owned family operated they're going to give you the information you need because they're going to send out a specialist, not a salesperson, who tells you what you need, an expert that's going to tell you what kind of system repair you need, if you need a new system, whatever you need, they're going to give you all of your options to get your HVAC system right. So you want to give Blue Water Climate Control a call today at 865-299-2290 or visit them online at bluewaterclimatecontrol.com to make an appointment. Blue Water is an authorized dealer of American American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning. James Wilhoyt coming up next here on the Rocky Top Rewind podcast. Here on the Rocky Top Rewind podcast presented by Blue Water Climate Control. Happy to welcome to the program the man of the hour in 2004 against Florida, James Wilhoyt. James, thanks for joining us. I'm just going to get this one right out of the gate. Have you ever kicked a ball truer than that game winner? You know, I don't think so. Um, you know, when the ball came off my foot, I just knew. I uh, started running and celebrating, and it was something where, at that moment, there was nothing more important than striking that ball, and, and I hit it just perfect. 
what's that feel like? I mean, I, I mean, I've heard golfers say, you know, when you, you know, you hit a wedge or you, you hit a drive and you completely groove it, but with, with the pressure that was on that, what, what's that feel like when, when toe meets ball and you know, you've absolutely just grooved it. What's it feel like? Well, I, I think I'd go back just a little bit and say that as I was taking my steps for that kick, it was the most amazing feeling that I've ever felt like, you know, a lot of times athletes will say, you know, are you in the zone or have you ever been in the zone? And a lot of times when you go out on the field, you can hear the crowd, you can hear certain things. And, you know, I hadn't really experienced that before, but there was such a determination of wanting to make that kick that I remember when I took my steps back, there were 109,000 people in the stands, but it felt like there was nobody there. And so as I was taking my steps, I was such, you know, so focused. And I really believe that probably the crowd was pretty quiet at that point as well. You know, you had the Florida section that was maybe cheering, but for the most part, it was just silent. Everybody waiting to see what was going to happen. And so, you know, I was taking my steps back. It was quiet. And then, yeah, the, the part of hitting the ball and when you strike it well, it just feels like you barely even struck the ball. And when you lock your leg and you feel that adrenaline, the ball just comes off. And I, I always laugh that when we would do, you know, say warm-ups or, or something, you know, in a practice during the week, you could kick off maybe 65, 70 yards, but you get in the game and that adrenaline comes, then all of a sudden it adds four or five yards. And, you know, on that kick, it may have added, you know, even more because even the, the kickoff after that, was uh, probably about an 80-yard kickoff. So I could just feel it was kind of a superhuman, you know, feeling at that point. James, when you, you know, you look back at the, at the missed extra point, Brent made the, the you know, the reference to, to golf, the golf analogy. Um, you know, mentally, where were you at that point? And then, two, how much did, 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 did the guys around you come around and try to build you back up and say, hey, we're going to get you another shot? Or did they – was it, you know, they stayed away trying to not let, you know, mess with your mind too much? Right. Well, w when I missed the extra point, first of all, I was totally complacent. I had just never, it never crossed my mind that I could miss an extra point. And so when it came off my foot, I remember looking and it had gone wide right. And I was like, well, that's kind of funny. That's weird. And then all of a sudden the ramifications of the miss started to hit me. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be the guy that, loses to Florida and then coach Sanders came over to me and he grabbed me and he said James we're going to get this ball back and you're going to go win the game and I, I said okay and he goes where do we need to get to and I said just give me across midfield and I'll make it and as I got on the sideline nobody wanted to talk to me uh, I remember Britton Colquitt came over to me he was red shirting at the time and he's like it's going to be okay we're going to get another shot and then everybody else just left me alone. I could, I could feel kind of the daggers and the people looking at me and, and they were mad. Everybody was just mad. And, you know, I don't think, I think everybody thought that it was over for the most part. We were going to do our best to get another shot. But from my perspective, where I was mentally, as I said, if we get this ball back, I'm going to make this. And so I had a mentality of kind of desperation, frustration and anger. And I wasn't ever nervous. I was just desperate to get back out on that field and, and make up for the mistake that I'd made. In, in retrospect, best thing that could have happened to you, right? Because, you know, maybe you win it in overtime if, you know, if, if you make the extra point. But the way you won the game, the miss made the make, right? 
I, I really believe so. I, I think if the game had been tied and somehow we had gotten the ball back and we had gotten for that 50-yarder, I think my mentality, especially I was just a sophomore and I really had never been in a situation like that, you know, 50 for the win, you know, trying, that was a big kick that I think I would have been, man, I hope I make this or I'm going to try to make this. But my mentality was totally different. As I was taking my steps back from 50 yards, right hash, I was thinking there's no way that I, uh, that I can miss this kick. I'm going to make this kick. There was just a determination. So yeah, it put me in a mindset where I was just determined to make that kick. I was in the right mindset, correct spot, great snap, great hold. Uh, you know, Adam Miles, John Henderson, they had done such a great job, and the line protected. Everything just kind of came together, you know, to, to make, you know, just an amazing play and just a really special moment that, you know, people you know, ask me about all the time. Did, did you – well, when the offense got the ball back, most of the time, kickers go down to a net and they start kicking and they and they try to get their mind right. During that time, what happened in your mind once the offense got the ball back? They made that, I guess, the the first first down. Did, did you go get into like a pre kick routine, or were you so like just in a different zone that you're just like, just let me know when it's my time. I'm ready to go. I started kicking in the net okay. and. And what I felt on the sidelines was chaos. It was everybody else was like, oh, my gosh, we got to get the ball. We're, we're, we got to score. And, and you could just see kind of a frenzy. And there were people you could tell that kind of wanted to talk to me. And, like, our holder had done, you know, John Henderson had done a great job of kind of pushing people away. And it was, you know, everybody wanted to be that person to give you this inspirational speech to, to bring you back. They didn't understand that I was back. It was just I made a mistake. I wasn't fragile. I just needed another opportunity. And I remember my roommate, Rob Smith, he and I were really close friends and, you know, he was in my wedding and he came over to me right as we were jogging on the field. And he said, I know you can make this kick. And, you know, there were others that said things, but like, I remember that, but everybody else, it was just kind of chaos and people just wanting to get to you and wanting to say something, but, you know, everybody did a good job of kind of staying away. Now, of course, you make the kick, you get back. Correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't there a story about you? You had, you, of course, you had, you had voicemails and all kinds of other stuff, and and then people then all of a sudden weren't there apologetic voicemails from the original voicemails? Yeah, it was it was funny after the game. I my phone was dead because you know everybody had called me and all this stuff had had gone on, and you know I'm checking through all these voicemails, and you know I get to maybe the fifth or sixth of you know. 80 voicemails and and the fifth one was this guy saying will hoyt i can't believe you missed that kick it's all your fault that we lost and you know i hate you and it was just like this really mean voicemail and i'm like oh okay you know and so going through some other ones same guy he comes back you know 30 40 voicemails in and he said yeah uh disregard that last message go vols and now now was, was that this was pre-iphone so was that did you have a nokia did you have a flip phone what, what were we talking back then i think i had a nokia at that point but it's yeah it's it's so funny to think of how it's changed but no i i remember i was looking through these voicemails and it was just like you know you knew it was that guy and it but it it was such a great example though of how pretty much everybody felt. It's funny. I, um, you know, 15, you know, 10 years later, I'm, I'm talking to my wife and she was in the stands and she and I didn't really know each other that well. And she told me, she's like, 
I really hated you at that moment. She's like, I was so mad at you. And, and, you know, I was like, I can't believe this guy, he's going to cost us this game. And, you know, so it's funny. It's just everybody at that point was just so frustrated because it was a great game that, you know, I had tried to find a way to ruin. So. So, so what was the, what's the night like and the next day like, I mean, you've got the voicemails. I remember your, your parents had come out of the stands after the miss to kind of be there for you a, after the game. And then obviously they're there, you know, your parents are there to, to kind of comfort you and it turns into this euphoria celebration for them and you. But what, what's the hours like that? Did you sleep that night? Did your phone ring all night long? What's Sunday like? Just kind of what's the 24 hours after going from, I guess, goat to hero the way you did? What's that like? Right. Um, well, it was – it was fascinating. First of all, you know, my parents went down to the tunnel and they thought that, you know, I was going to be devastated. They end up standing right next to Mike Hamilton under the goalposts as this field goal is, is being attempted. And when I made it somehow, you know, after the kickoff, my dad somehow ended up on the field. And uh, yeah, there's a, there's a picture in the Tennessee in the front page of the Tennessee. And my dad is like right there celebrating with me on the field as the game's over. And uh, that was pretty crazy. And then after the game, I, um, you know, I guess I, if I was a bit of a nerd, I didn't go out, I didn't party or anything else like that. The rumor all over campus is that I was at every fraternity house and stuff like that, but I had stayed home and, you know, I really didn't do too much. I watched college game day over and over and over again, watching this thing. I couldn't sleep that night. Uh, The next day, I still, it was just exhausting, Uh, just the emotion that had been involved. I remember even the next week, you know, college game day came and, and uh, they did a feature and some other things happened. And I remember going to Bud Ford after uh, maybe Wednesday and I had had so many media things. I said, listen, I was like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. We've got another game this next week. And I had just been emotionally just exhausted from the entire week and so it took a couple of games you know after that before I just kind of went back down to earth and but but one of my favorite things though was the Monday of practice uh we went back out to the practice field and if if you remember there's a tower that's directly behind the field goal post for Tennessee's practice field and uh the video guy you know does stuff well I kick a field goal my first field goal it's an extra point and I nail it right down the middle but it hits the tower and it bounces back. Well, Coach Fulmer was busy doing something and he didn't notice and the ball bounced back onto the field. Well, he thinks I've hit the post, you know, the upright and knocked it back. And he just lights into me and yells at me and tells me to go take a lap and makes me run. And I had made it right down the middle. And so I'm, I'm jogging and I come back over and uh, our long snapper out of miles said, Coach, you know that ball went right down the middle, it just hit the tower. And uh, he came over to me, he put his arm around me, and he said, you got a mulligan for your next miss. But uh, he said, don't miss any more extra points. So You, you should have told Coach Fulmer to take a lap. <laughs> <laughs> I was on, uh, better yet, on. knowing Adam Miles, you should have told Adam Miles to take a lap. <laughs> so that, that season in general, as we kind of wrap it up here, that was, a, that was a fascinating year because you had the freshman quarterbacks. You know, that kick – jump-started, you know, your guys' opportunity to get to the Eastern Division, I mean, and to get to Atlanta for the SEC championship game, had to be one of the more special years of your career, not just because of that kick, but the way that that team really grew 
with so many young players involved in the game. You go to Athens and win. You make a couple big kicks at Athens, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, you guys just kept finding ways to win. Pretty, that was a pretty good football – ended up being a pretty good football team, albeit very young at the end of the year, wasn't it? Right. We, we, we had 2,000-yard rushers with, uh, with Riggs and Houston, and, um, you know, we were playing our best football at the end. I still think uh, the SEC championship game was a little rigged there at the end, a lot of holding calls and some strange things. I think, uh, you know, they wanted uh, Cadillac Williams and some of those guys to, to make the SEC championship, but – you know, to win it. But I mean, it was a great year. And I think, you know, we had such struggles beating Florida and always chasing it, you know, where we had, you know, trying to, we didn't control our own destiny. And, you know, that momentum from that victory, you know, certainly just gave us the ability to, to control our own destiny. And we just kind of went from there. So, so no, it was, it was a fun year. Well, James catches up with what you're doing now. You're, you know, teaching, kicking and, uh, and, and doing some other stuff, right? Yeah, I, I, I teach and coach over at Brentwood Academy and uh, just love it there. And then uh, I have my own uh, kicking school. I, I train about 100, 150 guys across the state of Tennessee and, and, you know, throughout the southeast. And so it's fun with that, just taking the knowledge and the experiences that I've had and be able to share that with guys and, and train the, the kickers of the future. How's your mom and dad doing? They're doing great. Everybody's doing well and, you know, healthy and just, you know, kind of staying in right now and, and being smart. But, uh, you know, we're very blessed that, that everybody's doing well. Well, I know it was a dream come true for you to get the kick at the University of Tennessee. I know what that meant for you. And I know what that kick that night meant for all the Tennessee fans and, and, and put your career in, obviously, a historical light for, for so many people out there. We appreciate the time. Congratulations on all the success with the kicking camps and the kicking school you got going as well as your work at Brentwood Academy. James, we appreciate the time, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me on.